Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome aboard Hour 2, Dan Salio, National Football Show. Jason Cole, bottom of the hour. By the way, tomorrow... Jared Bell from USA Today covers the National Football League, and we'll have Mike Quick, part of the broadcast team for the Eagles. We'll get his thoughts on what he sees tonight versus Pittsburgh as those Eagles will take on the Steelers and Mike Tomlin tonight. We'll get to all the stuff that's going around the NFL. I was asked a couple questions here. Do you think the Eagles are going to do anything tonight against the Steelers? Let me say this to you. You know what to watch for tonight? I saw people tweeting out stuff and sending out messages. Really? The rookies tonight? The rookies are just going to be worrying about lining up right. Okay? You're not really playing real football because you're not really going to be going against the ones. I'm going to say this to you. Exhibition football is great for the fans. I'm glad it's back. But games one and four suck. It's not really a game plan type. Like, They probably put a couple structured uh, series plays in. But really, what you're trying to see, you're still trying to evaluate your players and using your system. So that's why, don't go by scoreboard tonight. I know people always tell me this. If they keep score, I want to win. I understand that. I, I do. But this is what you should actually be watching. This is what people should be tweeting out and sending out when it comes to tonight's game. The head coach. Watch for sideline organization. If his sidelines are organized, you're not going to see a lot of pre-snap penalties. Watch how he manages the clock going into the half. Watch how he manages substitutions. If there's chaos and you see this penalty, and it drives me crazy with new coaches, okay, and you delay of games, Why is there delay a game? Because you're not organized on the sideline. It is the biggest thing that new head football coaches go through. They're not organized on the sidelines. You know, they're so concerned about putting personnel groupings in. Remember something about Nick Sirianni, too. He's got to take these headphones off, which were the headphones for being an offensive coordinator, and he's got to take the new headphones on, And he's got to be able to do this. All right, let me go to the defensive side and listen to what they're doing. Okay, they're off. Let me go over to the offensive side. Oh, and then I'll click over on the third one on my headset. That's what they do have. They have three sections that they can listen to, and they can listen to everything. The head coach doesn't really do a lot of coaching on game day unless he's a play caller. Okay, unless he's a play caller. And if he's not a play caller, What he'll do is he'll keep it in the middle. There's a little dial in the middle of those headphones. And he'll keep it in the middle. 
and he'll want to hear all the communication that the coaches because communication is essential when you're new and you've got a coaching staff that's trying to commute with players from upstairs, downstairs. Maybe he'll listen to the defensive guys. And you know what the first thing they'll do when they get into their team evaluation after they play on Friday? They'll talk as a coaching staff, how did the sideline organization go? How did the communication? And the head coach is taking notes. You know when he writes down things and he writes, you know what they're doing? We really missed the boat on this one here. Okay, they didn't get to play in on time. He'll write that down. That's what's on those notes. We didn't get to play in time. Or you got to play in with five seconds left, which meant this. You get to play in with 10 seconds or five seconds left. Defense has got the upper hand on you. They can set their scheme on you. So you've it's all about setting things up here. So it's not really about the rookies. What, you think you're really going to see a lot of big-time plays from Devontae Smith tonight? Devontae Smith's got to worry about lining up right. Oh, and by the way, he's injured. So, I mean, end of the day here, this is about the coach on the sidelines. Now, no pre-snap penalties. You don't see delay of games. Those are the two penalties that you always look for for a new squad. And what I mean by new squad is a new coach, okay? A new coach in the room. That's what we're talking about there, okay? Yeah, no, no, Kevin, I get it. It's not just, no, don't don't look at the score. Look at consistency tonight. I told you, the thing that I want to see with, with Jalen, I want to see consistency and I want to see accuracy. I don't give a crap about the scoreboard. Who cares? Does he run a good huddle? No pre-snap penalties. You know what pre-snap penalties are? Those are the things that drive – you lose field position on those. Pre-snap penalties takes no effort. That means you just don't know where you're lining up. Delay a game, sideline, not getting to play in in time. The quarterback not understanding what you're asking him. And before you know it, you got to, you, you have to you burn a timeout. That's all things to watch tonight. Communicating from the sideline to quarterback. Quarterback communicating to player. When you're changing from offense to defense, watch that. How about this? Extra dude on the field, too. Too many men on the field? That will also be something to look at. If you see those penalties, the Eagles were not ready to play. Too many men on the field? Delay a game. Pre-snap penalties. All of that stuff. Is organizational things on the sideline, not getting to play in time. All of those things are a massive factor. All of that, huge factor. Okay. I want to get back to what I was saying about Mac here. Um, yeah, let me see here. Nest less than nine penalties. You get less than nine penalties tonight in that Steeler game. You had yourself a pretty good preseason game one. That would be a good game. Most of the time, game one penalties, you could see as many as 15, especially with a new head football coach. 15 is not uncommon. If that number is between 12 and, 12 and 17, got a problem there in that game, and there was a lot of problems in communicating. And the coach needs to get better at that. So keep, keep an eye on that. The, 
the rookies, okay, getting playing time, who's going to shine? Who cares? Just get out there, line up. This is what I want for my rookies tonight in any of the games that are being played tonight, Washington included. I, I want guys lining up right. I want guys knowing their playbook. If they make no plays, that's fine. But I want you to know where to line up. Essential to being able to start to get evaluated. The thing that I was saying with, with um, Mac Jones and going to the right place, I expanded and I told you, look at, look at Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard had Steve Fisher at San Diego State, and he had Greg Popovich. Those were his first two coaches in the NBA. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's amazing. You have college and pro. Those are your first two coaches, really, to give you great coaching. No wonder Kawhi Leonard's one of the greatest players on the planet. Some guys are just gifted. They're just gifted, like LeBron. But can I make a point to you? Who did Michael Jordan have as coaches? Michael Jordan had Dean Smith and Phil Jackson. I know he had Doug Collins in the middle, and I know he had a couple other guys in the middle in there. But he had Dean Smith and Phil. Those were the guys he won with. Those were the guys that showed him how to win. Who did Montana have? He had Bill Walsh. Who did Elway have? He had Mike Shanahan. Who did Bradshaw have? He had Chuck Knoll. I mean, go down the list, dude. Pick a sport. Who did Derek Jeter have? He had Joe Torrey. You have to have that guy in the room to teach you some of the fundamentals that you may not know or to remind you of some of the things. Great coaches never stop coaching. Mac Jones goes from, get this, he goes from the greatest coach in the history of college football in Nick Saban to the greatest head football coach in the history of the National Football League in Bill Belichick. Holy shit, are you kidding me? That is an absolute incredible learning curve for a player. How could you not want to be involved in that? Well, he had all those players. Who cares? Bart Starr and Lombardi, sure. Five titles in nine years when Vince was the coach in Green Bay. Think of that for a minute. Five titles, nine years, first two Super Bowls. That was Lombardi's record, and the only loss he ever sustained was to Philly in that championship game at 60. I mean, absolutely. So, I mean... You have to have great coaching. Mac Jones couldn't have went to a better situation. There's no way. you. And now you know what you're hearing. And you, you know what you're liking, too. And what I do like about this is you're hearing the coach say this. And now you're hearing players say this on New England. Man, this guy has a chance to be somebody special. You don't want the head coach saying that. You want the guys in the locker room saying that. You want guys in the locker room to start doing this. Hey, man, they drafted somebody here. Because you know what? I'll tell you. When, you, when you're a professional football player, it don't take you but three or four practices to know if the kid can play or not. Or if he's a maniac and it's, he, there's going to be things getting in his way. 
you just look at a guy and you go, that guy can play. Like, it's called the 20-foot rule. I only need to see 20 feet of the guy's tape. And I pretty much got it. That was an old Fred Akers line. Used to be the head coach at Texas Longhorns back in the day. Fred would say, just give me 20 feet. The kids film. I'll tell you if he can play or not. That's all you need to see, man. There's certain guys you just put in and you go, yeah, that guy's it. Like Lawrence Taylor. My, I, 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 this goes back a bit here with my old coach, Ray Perkins. I said, Ray, when you drafted LT, did you know? He goes, well, we started him out on the third team. This is a great story. We started LT out on the third team. Then, of course, we moved him to the second team. Then we moved him, of course, to the first team. I was like, damn. You, so you went through the whole progression. Progression. He goes, yeah, but that was all in one day. <laughs> he goes, we, yeah, that all happened <laughs> one day, though. At the beginning of the morning practice, Lawrence Taylor was on the third team. By the end of the first practice, he was practicing with the first team guys. And Ray just said, we're not going to – we're not doing any of that. We're just putting him in. <laughs> we're, 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 we're not working him into anything. There's just certain guys you go like – like when you see Reggie White play, do you really need to see more than five plays? That hip toss thing? I mean, that guy was the had the greatest move – I I can I used to say this to Reggie White all the time. Reggie White was one of the super people you'll ever meet in your life. And I used to tell him that hip toss move that he used to throw Nate Newton on his head and Eric Williams on his head with. I used to say it's the sky hook of the NFL. No, nobody has ever been able to duplicate that hip toss move that Reggie used to throw. Remember Reggie had a had a cast on one hand? He's out there playing with one arm and he's still throwing guys around. It's the greatest move I've ever seen anybody do in an NFL game that was a defensive lineman. There was just nobody like him, man. And then you had JB, Jerome Brown on that same D-line, man. Oh, my God, man. He went so amazing. Just amazing. All right. So let's move on to this. Um, so Urban Meyer's now doing the same crap. Urban Meyer's down in Jacksonville. By the way, that Zach Ertz and Philadelphia conversation, I probably should tweet this out a little bit um, and tweet it out, but Zach Ertz, Jaguars, keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on that because they're struggling on moving the chains in camp right now. And that was maybe a landing destination for Zach Ertz was the Jags. And they need – hey. Tim Tebow, <laughs> Zach Ertz, sorry, man. He's taking your gig. If I could get Zach Ertz in Jacksonville, I'm getting him for Trevor Lawrence. But Urban Meyer's doing this now. He's like, you know, um, yeah, we got to figure out, you know, uh, if uh, Trevor Lawrence is our guy going forward. You're like, Haas, to all these new first-year coaches, and even Matt Nagy in Chicago. Why Andy Dalton? Why Gardner Minshew? Why, why all that? Play the kid you drafted. Find out like Arizona did. Okay? Find out like Arizona did. If Josh Rosen was the guy. Remember they... 
they drafted Josh Rosen out of UCLA. And every and I said this, that guy's always hurt. He'll never I, – I, I flat out said it. He'll never play in the NFL. And he looks like he could throw the football too. But he'll never play in the NFL. He, he's always hurt. If you're hurt in college and you're going to the big boy game, how are you not going to be not hurt there? And it was just the same stuff over and over again. Always nicked up, banged up. Didn't pick up offenses all that hot. I never thought he was really that good a player at UCLA. I thought he had some good skills. Isn't that crazy, though, how some of these guys, they get so hyped up for the draft? I mean, if you go back, Josh Rosen, this guy, if I'm not mistaken, he was a pretty high draft choice. And he bombed mightily, man. He bombed so bad that the Cardinals had to go into the draft the next year to get Kyler Murray. So now Meyer's like, well, you know, we may have to start Minshew and all this, and we're not really sure about tra- – start the kid, man. He's he's a generational talent. The quicker you get reps – like, I was asked a question by some Philly guys, and I think this was yesterday. I was asked a question about um, how many plays should Jalen Hurts play tonight. Man, if I could play him the entire game, I would. Don't you want to find out? Don't you want to get him as many reps as possible when they don't count? Why Why would you only give him five reps? For what? You're not helping him by doing that. Giving a kid five reps, ten reps? This guy's not Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. This guy's a guy that, without question, needs a lot of playing time. The more reps you get, the better off you're going to be. All right. You know, I mentioned this. About, about guys that are coming into the game and quarterbacks that are coming into the sport, coming into a position, Jalen, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson in New York. So Tom Brady came out this morning, and he goes, I really love Kyle Trask. Wasn't Bruce Arians saying it. Kyle Trask was the second-round draft choice out of Florida. I like this kid too. Dan Mullen coached him. There's something to be said about that, and I'll explain. Not only did Dan Mullen coach him, but Dan Mullen coached Dak Prescott too. And do you know that this kid Kyle Trask didn't get one scholarship offer except for one from Florida? He didn't even start at high school. He didn't even start. He went to a couple camps. Dan liked him, gave him a scholarship. Said, why don't you come play here? Kid turned out to be a great player at Florida. Brady's around him now. Brady likes his journey. He goes, he's working hard, and he goes, hey, he knows if you want to be somebody that's going to play in this league for a long time, it's got to be something that you're completely committed to. It's got to be something that you have to understand. It's a way of life. It's not just something that you park your car, you come in, you punch your time clock, then you leave. That's not what the quarterback position's about. You've got to put overtime work in if you want to do anything in this league. And that's what he's saying Kyle Trask is doing. What a bet. So listen who his teachers are. Dan Mullen, Bruce Arians, and Tom Brady. How could Kyle Trask fail? And you're getting kudos and you're getting compliments from the GOAT. 
That's inspiring. He's not going to play this year. God forbid. But you're getting the GOAT going. This kid looks like he really, he understands what it needs for him to be a player in this league. All right. We're going to catch up with our friend Jason Cole. We'll go around the horn with him and get his thoughts on all the NFL news. Exhibition football tonight. He's next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back. National Football Show, Dan Silios. You think Mike McCarthy is happy he took that Dallas Cowboy job? 
I'm a head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Are you really? Are you really? Hey, what's the status of your player, uh, Steven? <laughs> uh, Jerry, do you have any insight for the media? Because I don't. You guys don't tell me anything. Oh, wait. Did I say that out loud? I'm real sorry. Steven, um, how how is our third team defensive tackle? Um, is he going to be able to play this weekend? You got the CEO and the owner. Here, here. Well, Philadelphia is used to this. Here's the guys that'll play. Well, there's like two guys off this list I need. Well, they're not playing. They're not active this week. Why? Well, it's it's a um, front office decision. Okay, well, I need that guy because we're going to have personnel groupings that match up against them. Well, not this week or not. So I'm not in control of my own personnel. That's the Doug Peterson in the front office spatting that went on back and forth. And get this, when your assistant coaches were picked by them dudes like they are in Dallas, you think you've got anybody on your coaching staff that's going to back you? You're going to back the front office. Because they were hired by the front office. You ever notice every single one of those coaches that Jimmy Johnson hired Dave Wants, that's Butch Davis, North Turner, all them dudes. We're all fired after Jimmy and Barry left. And we're like never rehired again, except for Dave Campo. Because all those guys were loyal to Jimmy. They weren't loyal to the front office. Holy cow, do you understand how much that today behind the scenes that fans don't know how important that is for a coach to have the head coaches back? You don't want guys doing this in the corner. Hey, the head coach is doing How do you think Doug Peterson got fired? Somebody was whispering in the ear of the general manager. When I would not doubt it if it was the former defensive coordinator, Schwartz, that was doing all that stuff behind the scenes. He was a former head coach up in Detroit. I wouldn't doubt it. The guy that retired? It, somebody was whispering to the front office on what was going on. You had to have spies in the room. But you really didn't need him because you know why? Howie and the owner hired the assistant coaches. Nobody wants spies in their room. Nobody wants, like, uh, double agents. That's why when you're a coach and you get autonomy over the hiring, that, what do you think one of the most important things for a coach when he gets a brand-new job is? That he has control over the coaching staff and who he brings in. Mike McCarthy did not. Mike McCarthy had to keep Kellen Moore because Jerry wanted him. Well, then why the hell did you hire Mike? Because Mike was a big-name guy in Green Bay because he worked with Favre and he worked with Aaron Rodgers. And it was a good – watch this. It was a good look for the Cowboys. How about it being a good fit for the Cowboys? I mean, I, I got I to gotta bring my friend Jason Cole in on this one. By the way, he's got a great book out right here. A Relentless Life. We'll talk more about this in a second. But here, he, he, here's the press conference, Jason. Watch this. Hey, um, what's the latest on Dak Prescott, Coach Mike McCarthy? Um, Steven, uh, you, guys haven't told me any, you guys haven't told me anything about the health of the player. Um, maybe you guys have some insight. on. Yeah, he he's going under another MRI. Oh, 
really? Okay. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, I mean, but this is this is what you get when you work for Jerry Jones and that organization. The coach is not the coach. The coach is not a person of authority. Okay, he never has been, and that's why when people talk about they got to fire McCarthy or they got to fire Jason Garrett, like those guys aren't the problem. Okay, I'm not saying they're the solution either, right? Like I'm not saying that. Like, like, this is not like to say all of a sudden, oh, Jason Garrett was really good. Like, this is not Jeff Fisher working for Bud Adams and then working for Stan Kroenke, you know, when he's in the middle of trying to collapse a team in St. Louis and move it to L.A. Like, Jeff Fisher deserves a lot of credit for the things he did in his career with really terrible management situations. This is not that quite that same thing, but it's also you're not in charge. Okay, who plays is not really up to you. Okay, how things are done are not really up to you. You're handed the players and then you're told what to do by upper management. I mean, I can't tell you the times I've I've been told that that McCarthy spends hours every day, you know, not one hour or half an hour or 15 minutes, but like two and sometimes three hours a day. Talking to Jerry and Stephen. You know what? Like, that, that's, that's mind-numbing. If you're a coach of an NFL team and you're spending that much time with management, like, like how about go spend time trying to figure out how to make the team win? <laughs> like, Absolutely. That, and, you, hey, let me throw this at you here. And this is when I had a red flag in that whole thing there. I went – Okay, so McCarthy's coming in, you know, all right, let's see what he does here. But then when I heard they were retaining Kellen Moore as the play caller, I went like this, Jason. Well, why'd you hire Mike McCarthy then? That's supposed to be his forte is play calling. I mean, it almost looked like this. It looked like it, it looked like a good fit, but what it, it looks no, this is what fit. it looks like. This is what it looks like. It's the old puppet shows. Yeah. That's all it is. And you're willing to tolerate whatever it is that you have to tolerate to take that job because there are only 32 of those jobs. And the Cowboys do pay well. Like McCarthy's getting paid. You know, he, he's probably getting paid better than he ever got paid in Green Bay. That's okay. You know, he's making six, seven, eight million dollars a year. Good, good for him. But if you think that you have final say on how this is going to go, no, this is the Jerry Jones show. It's like the joke, you know, it's, it, I think we talked about last week or the week before when Jerry was like, I don't know how my relationship with Jimmy came apart. <laughs> you know exactly how your relationship with Jimmy came apart. You know exactly what happened. Mm. You couldn't handle Jimmy getting the credit because I always go back to this. I sat in a car once with Jerry while he was the construction on the new stadium was going up. We sat in his town car and he explaining everything and talking about everything. He goes, yeah, I remember when I was coming out of college and I, I looked at these magazines and thought, God, it'd be great to be a coach. And I said, oh, look at what they make. I can't do that. <laughs> right? Like his first love was always to be a coach, but he wanted to go make money. Okay. You can't do you. You can't have it both ways back then, right? So he went and made money. 
He still wants to be a coach. You own the team. You decide what happens. Absolutely. Chase, let me go here then with Dak. Um, I, I thought it was a cryptic tweet. I mean, no worries, but Dak's going for a second MRI. I'm like, okay, so is that on Dak wanting a second opinion because of the hurt shoulder? Or why are the Cowboys throwing a smoke signal out? Looky here. He wants another. I mean, how did you? It, it, it's a little cryptic for me. Any concerns? Well, well, I mean, I just, you don't know the question of, you know, is he going to see his own doctor? Yeah. Or is he going to see a specialist that they want him to see? Now, if they want him to see it, like teams don't send guys for second MRIs if everything was cool on the first MRI. Correct. Players go for second MRIs a lot because they just want to make sure and they don't necessarily trust what the team does. You know that from playing. Oh, absolutely. Okay? But um, hence your great relationship with Hugh Culverhouse. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. I hope you enjoyed that smaller check than you were supposed to get. Oh. Um, but <laughs> you. all these years later. Anyways, like, like that's, that's how this thing works. If if Dak wants the, the MRI, I'm a little less concerned. If the Cowboys want the MRI, okay. But either way, it's not a great thing. Like, because it tells you one way or the other, either he's not feeling good or they're not feeling good about what they think is going on with him. Like that's that's how I take that. Yeah, I I I I I completely take it the same way. I'm like, okay, so I just I, I thought that the whole thing was just weird. The tweet, Steven saying something, not the head coach. Anyway, let's go to New England here. Um, they're really barking about this kid. Um, you know, Mac Jones. Oh, he's great. Oh my God, he's the best thing I ever seen. You know, I, it's funny for an organization that had a hard time complimenting Brady. Remember a couple of years ago, and I was telling people this the other. Remember when Belichick gave him the game ball? I want to give Tom this game ball. And, you know, Tom, congratulations. I think it was like it was more like, it was more like a lat It was more like a lateral like this. Yeah, yeah. It was, here, it, take it. <laughs> all of a sudden now we're hearing, oh, Cam is this. He's the captain of the team. Back Jones. I mean, what's going on in New England? There isn't a lot of emotional response to the fact that um, – They've got to justify the moves that they made. Yeah. And the biggest move that they made is that uh, Tom go. And they didn't surround Tom with talent. And Tom said, well, I'm going to go someplace where there's talent. And I'll win. And he did. And now all of a sudden it's like, that's Belichick's got to live with that. And again, I've always been one of these people who's like, look, this relationship between Brady and Belichick ran its course. Oh, yeah. And what we should all really appreciate about those two is the two of them found a way to make it work for 20 years and win six titles, right? And do all those things that they did. We should salute that. But we don't because that's not, that's not the fun. That's not the tension in the story. The tension in the story is, oh, who is more important, Belichick or Brady? Well, if you have any common sense in your head, the guy who holds and throws the football is more important than the guy who calls the plays. I am sorry. 
Bill Belichick can walk on water as a coach. He is still just a coach. He tackles no one. He blocks no one. He throws no passes. He catches no balls. Okay? And that's how it is. Tom Brady is the more important person in that relationship by far. So we should always remember the player is more important. But, yes, Belichick, in his wisdom, in thinking that the, t- the clock was running out, underestimated Brady's will. But I will also say this. I don't know if Brady wins another title if he stays in New England. No way. Because I don't – even if you give him the weapons, I don't think that he has that angst that you need to drive yourself to do all the things that you have to do to play that well. So part of it is a mental game. And, again, this is why I say their relationship ran its course, and it lasted 20 years. The Beatles lasted like 10. Yeah. Right. Right? (laughs) The Beatles. Right. right? Right. Like, look at rock groups. Look at Marino and Shula and Elway. It's in the book with Reeves. Um, The great ones don't get along. Okay, they don't last very long together because there's always this banging of egos at the end of the day. So I think that to bring this back to when you talk about Cam or Mac Jones or whatever's going on. They're trying to make it look like they got the answers right now. And for the first time in 20 years, they don't have the absolute answer at quarterback. And they're trying to find their way through it. I mean, I know he believed in Jimmy Garoppolo once upon a time. He believed in Garoppolo, and he being Belichick, believed in Garoppolo because he did the exact same thing with Garoppolo that he did with Brady. Remember that game, that, that opening game in Arizona a few years ago? where Garoppolo had to play and they come back and they win that game and everybody thought Arizona was going to be a Super Bowl contender and it's a Sunday night opener and Garoppolo goes in there and leads an upset. And I remember to ask him, Belichick, you know, tell it, Garoppolo obviously played great. What do you say? And he goes, he was a player. <laughs> yeah, like that, it was that kind of response. Like he was doing the same thing to Garoppolo that he did to Brady because Belichick was at the top of the world at that moment. Okay, he could do that still. Now he's not at the top of the world. It's it's just it's not that it's not the same environment. It's not, it doesn't have the same players nor that guy in his room there. I want to take you to Philly here, Jace. Um you know, Nick Sirianni is refusing to name Jalen Hurts as the uh, starting quarterback for the upcoming 2021 season. I don't know if that's a big deal, but what I do know is is that you got an experienced guy in Flacco, and it wouldn't surprise me if Joe Flacco is probably outshining him with the knowledge of what's being asked to him because Sirianni last year worked with a guy like Phillip Rivers, and he may be more in a comfort zone working with veteran-type quarterbacks versus a guy who's trying to learn an offense trying to find his way. What do you make of that situation in Philadelphia and how you think this thing plays out? I mean, I look at Jalen Hurts and I say this, maybe you think I'm wrong. I think he's a stopgap guy. I think he's a band-aid until they try to figure out whether it's Deshaun Watson or it's somebody else or it's somebody in the upcoming draft. How do you see this thing? Well, if you think that Jalen Hurts is a band-aid, right? I do. Stopgap, which I don't, I'm not disagreeing with, right? To me, that says, like, Joe Flacco is like one of those torn bandages that you see in a World War II movie that's <laughs> hanging off the leg or arm of the the soldier who's, like, got mud and, you know, like, the, the, the you know, he's just been through combat. 
because there because it, it's, hey, Jason, it's there because it's the only thing you can wrap your head with. <laughs> right, exactly. Like you know, they they took a piece of bamboo and you know, like a bamboo shoot and you know, put it around. Like that's where Flacco is. Come on, let's get serious, okay? And I like Joe Flacco, right? Yeah. On a personal level, he's a good guy. I think he, you know, he he did his job in Baltimore. You know, he he played his role and got hot. You know, he had one of the great playoff runs of all time on the way to that Super Bowl victory, all those things, right? Um, but he's no good anymore, right? He's a backup. He's in that, you know, that that world where, you know, guys who played for 10, 15 years go to – you know, mop yeah. up for the last three or four years of their career. And that's fine. Like, I, I think he, it's important to have guys like that on your team. But the importance of Joe Flacco is to go to a, a young guy like a Jalen Hurts or whoever your next guy is and do that old thing that, you remember Don Strock when Don Strock was the backup to Dan Marino? And then, like, in, in Marino's first or second year, he goes out and has a terrible game and throws three interceptions and is just, like, freaked out and his mind is – and then he walks in and Don Strzok looks at him and goes, man, that really sucked. You know, and it's like, <laughs> which is like, welcome to the league. Like we've all been there, right? Like that's what Flacco does for the young guy. He doesn't play unless the young guy's hurt. And so if Jalen Hurts isn't the starter, like they're, they got, they're, they're trading for Deshaun Watson. That's I think that team's a five win team. Jason. Currently looking at it, what they have, a five-win football team, five or six wins, man. I mean, maybe. Yeah, and if, and, you know, if, if, Sirianni, if, if Sirianni is the guy that we saw in these sort of weird press conferences where he appears to be in over his head, and that is also true in the locker room, like forget what we see, right? But if you see that, if the, if the players sense that and that's what they think he is, then it's three wins, right? Yeah, it's you know it's 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 a disaster. It's a disaster, and they're changing everything out after one year. I just don't know what Sirianni really is yet. Okay, I I haven't reported on the team and talked to anybody to hear. Does he sound like a babbling Dave Wanstead when he gets into a room, or does he sound like Jimmy Johnson? Because there's a big difference between those two dudes. Absolutely. Let me take you to the Rams. A couple last questions here for you. Um, okay, so. You know that when you're a defensive coordinator in this league, you're always going to see the new style of offense, and you're going to have to get intel in a couple trends, like three games, maybe a couple seasons, to figure out a coordinator. I want to take you to Sean McVay here. His first year as the head coach with the Rams, he's number one in offense. Just absolutely just changed the entire look of that offense. Second year, he's number two, still a great number second-ranked offense in National Football League. His third year, he creeps out of the top 10. He's 11th. All of a sudden, you know, the running game goes away. Todd Gurley gets money, and all of a sudden, there's no play-action pass. Golf's holding on to the ball too much. And last year, they're 22nd. So he goes and he makes a move, and he goes, I can't get Deshaun Watson because of the sexual harassment cases that are out there. They yeah. probably kicked the tires on Aaron Rodgers. You know that he's not going to get Garoppolo from San Fran because you're not going to trade within the division. Has the league caught up with Sean McVay here a little bit, and that's why they made the move for Stafford? I'll tell you, a healthy Todd Gurley is really nice, isn't he? Oh, God, yes. No question. No no doubt. I, But instead of getting the quarterback, I mean, maybe look, they should have got a running back for golf. About, 
It's about weapons, right? Like, well, they, th they thought they did. They thought Cam Akers a pretty nice player, right? Like they thought yeah, that, yeah. that he was going to be the answer. Because I'll tell you this, a lot of people in, in college football said that dude was special. Terrible team at Florida State, but he was yeah, special. he is. Like he was a really, yeah. he's a man. And so they thought that was going to be the answer. Now he's not, right? Yeah. Well, look, they were great when they could trigger their whole offense around this great running game and then put Goff into positive situations and not expose him to, to you know, difficult times and all those other things. I mean, this is – look, any offense can work, okay, if you have great players, okay? I remember Peyton Manning talking about when they had Reggie Wayne and they had, you know, Marvin Harrison, they had Edger and James, and they had all those guys, everything was going great. They ran about five plays a game. Everything was a variation off of those five plays. That's all they had to do. They didn't, because it's like, I'm going to line up here, and whoever you decide to take away, I'm throwing it to this other dude. Right? If you want to take this guy away, I'm throwing it over here. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to be exotic. The better, the more talented you are, the simpler you get. And to me, and the, and the more effective you are, right? Well, the Rams were super talented when they had Gurley and a you know sharpshooter and, and golf early on, and some of those other guys. Everything was easy. Then Gurley got hurt, and it got hard, and then it got harder. And this year, you know, Cam Akers gets hurt. Good luck. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let me throw this at you here. What'd you make of the Hall of Fame speeches on Saturday? Did you like them? Oh, Saturday and Sunday. I was, I was, yeah. I was happy with both sides. Uh, Palomalo was terrific. I uh, thought Peyton was, you know, spoke from the heart. Um, Drew Pearson, okay, you made the Hall of Fame. You didn't have to say it eighty-five times, okay. Um, I, 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 I appreciate you know what Peyton had to say about like cutting this short. I get that. I've been there when Steve Young's dad spoke for forty-five minutes, and that was brutal. Okay, that was awful, right? Like that's a terrible speech. But you're telling me that you put your your body and your career on the line, you play a game for 15, 20 years since the time you're five or six years old, and you get six minutes to thank no, everybody. No. Yeah, no, I didn't. I mean, I, I, I yeah, this like was a, this yeah, this was a special weekend because they had so many guys. Yeah, it was, it was, I, I get it. it's very difficult circumstances, right? But Peyton's got a point. Like, the guys should get 10, 15 minutes. And, and trust me, I've been there through speeches that have gone and meandered way too long. But I also sit there and say, you know what? When you put your body on the line for a sport and you reach that pinnacle and that such a tiny percentage of, of the truly greats who've reached the top, talk as long as you want. I'll sit here for a couple of days. And if it takes Ray Lewis three years, which it did pretty much take Ray Lewis three years to finish his speech. Okay. If it takes three years, okay, then it takes three years. Okay. Go ahead. Talk your head off. Um, I, you know, I'm, I don't like time limits, but I thought that, you know, Peyton was really passionate. I thought everybody was passionate. I thought everybody was focused. Um, it just, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it gets to you. If you love football, the Hall of Fame weekend hits you right here. And what I also loved about the fact is they got the game away. They turned the game into a preview rather than yeah. into, the, into the exclamation point because the game is not an exclamation point. 
the speeches or the exclamation point of that weekend. Absolutely. I thought it was a better story told than it even seemed like it fit. Hey, is Mike Shanahan a Hall of Fame coach? Yes, if okay. Bill Cower is. Okay, do you think – no, no, is he in the Hall of Fame, Mike Shanahan? No, he's not. He's not. Do you think he's a Hall of Fame coach? Do you think he belongs in the Hall yes. of Fame? Yes, I would think support Dick Vermeil, Mike. Do you think then? Do you think Dick Vermeil belongs in the Hall of Fame? Uh, it's close. I would, I would, I would think long and hard about it. Um, um, again, I, I have, I haven't sorted through his career as much as I've sorted through Shanahan's career. And so, if you put Dick Vermeil in front of me to consider, I do a copious amount of research, and I don't think he quite measures up to say a Don Coriel. And that's important. That's an important difference, but it's close. Um, you know, like a lot of these coaches, like Mike Holmgren. I think Mike Holmgren's a Hall of Fame coach. Um, you think Dan Reeves? You think Dan Reeves is one? No, no. Um, two different teams to a Super Bowl. Went to numerous ones. No, just okay. not. Yeah, it's it's, it's how, and, and look, I respect him, but I think in some ways Dan Reeves was his own worst enemy. So. Um, but over coaching, yeah. over coaching in big games, over coaching in big games, um, unyielding to players like he wore, I mean, he went to war with Elway and that's pretty well spelled out in my book. Like and that was why? a war for 10 years. Yeah. And here's the book. And by the way, you got a guy like this in your room. Why? I mean, because, what's the point of it, it? because, because Dan Reeves was brought up in, in an era. It's a really important thing where, the coach was like an elevated, like a George Patton. Like at that time, like coaches back then were the Paul Browns of the world, the Don Shula's, the Tom Landry's. Like they walked on water, right? Vince Lombardi. Those guys were the field generals. He sits right on that era. And I talk about this in the book where Joe Montana all of a sudden takes the art of quarterbacking and takes it to a different level. Like it becomes more of, the, the quarterback becomes more important because you're throwing so much more, right? This is not – we're going to play tactical and let Bob Greasy throw nine times in a Super Bowl or eight times, whatever it was, and Terry Bradshaw's only going to throw 14 passes in a Super Bowl, which literally happened, right? Yeah. Like that was field general kind of stuff and, and you know, super X's, O's, and strategy. Like, no, the quarterback has to throw 30, 35 times, Right. And they've got to be the main guy. They've got to be the front star, the person. So Reeves is right on that edge of that era. And he has a hard time dealing with the fact that he has the star of stars, potentially. And he should let that guy go instead oh, yeah. of, I'm, Tom, I'm, I'm the next vestige of Tom Landry, and I have to hold on to control. I'm going to leave you with this. I asked Howard Balzer this um, yesterday, and I'm going to ask you. He's also a Hall of Fame voter like you, and I love you guys because you guys so take care of the sport. And I love the fact, too, Jace, I heard you know Chris Berman say that only 26,874 men have ever played in the NFL, and only 17,000 of them are alive, and I'm one of them. And you guys vote those 300-plus guys. Watching, based, on, based on the guys that you know you grew up with, that's a fortunate thing. Yeah, and I, I look at it and I respect it and I love the fact and I know and I love the fact really now that I think about that. Hey, hey Jace, you guys put over 300 guys into that building, which is important. So I ask you this with my cane love. 
Next year, eligibility-wise, Reggie Wayne will be. He's been on the list a couple times already. Andre mm-hmm. Johnson will also be eligible. I think he's in the Calvin Johnson type category. I don't think he's quite as gifted, but I do think he's a gifted player. And the outlier, Devin Hester, will be eligible to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Those three guys, you think one of those guys make it to uh, Canton next year? It's tough with Reggie and Andre because they may cancel each other out a little bit. That's what okay. I worry about. I think Andre's a better player. Um, I think Reggie achieved more, uh, you know, from a team concept, obviously. And and to me, that's important because at the end of the day, the reason we that these guys play the game, okay, is to win titles. Like you don't you don't you don't just play for numbers. You play to win games and and I think that that has a level of importance but if you just look at them side by side Andre Johnson was a better player Devin Hester I I don't think he's going to make it next year I think it's a little bit too crowded um, a field of guys like that you know you have Vince Wilfork too you talk about another Kane who's out there who I love as a defensive you know interior guy who 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 you know really you know did the muck and the the ugly work that had to be done to play inside right yeah um and and and, and it was a three champion rings, well. three rings three yeah rings like he's just he's a, he's a great he's a great player too and just selfless right so i love that one but if i was to rank those guys i would say andre johnson's the best of them will fork was the second best reggie's third and hester is the best return man of all time I just don't know if that's quite enough to get into the Hall of Fame, and we're going to have to have a long discussion about that. You know what? And the reason I bring that up, because that's exactly what Howard said, too. He goes, because then you got Bates. You, you, you've you got, you know, yeah. guy, I know. No, no, no. I, I get yeah. it, too. And you got the guy in Buffalo that yeah. everybody always brings up, Steve Tasker. You know, yeah. you have guys like that. I mean, but you have to admit, Devin Hester was the greatest return man and he scored touchdowns. They actually, part of the reason they changed the kickoff rule. I mean, you don't see those electric guys any longer that change mm-hmm. field position. I'm just wondering because he's going to be an interesting topic, I think, Jason, on how you look at those guys like Billy White Shoes Johnson on guys that really were specialists yes. and how you guys see them. It's, it's a really difficult response, uh, difficult discussion. And it requires that the timing also be right in that you can't, like, if there's, like, two, put this year, in this year's class, you had Peyton Manning, you had Charles Woodson, you had Calvin Johnson. Well, you only get five spots, okay, for the modern guys. If you're you're telling me you're in a year where you've got, like, two no-doubters, and one who's about as close to a no doubt as can be, right? And Calvin Johnson. Like we even we talked about Calvin Johnson a little bit because I wanted to make sure that there was a discussion. I, I, I'm not saying I was the only guy, but I think there were a fair number of us who were like, "Look, he ain't Peyton Manning. He's not Charles Woodson, but he's really good." But if you have a year where you've got two or three guys who are automatics, and then you're fighting among for two more spots, that makes it hard for a guy like Devin Hester, right? Because there's too many guys who you know are like John Lynch's who. They played, right? They played a lot and for a long time. And they were on the field all the time. So, you know, you put Devin Hester against John Lynch. Like John Lynch was, had a better career. Absolutely. Devin Hester was more electric, no question about it, Changed could change game. I was at the, the Giants game where he returned that, that kickoff, 
you know, 108 or 109 yards, whatever it was. That crazy. It was not a kickoff. It was a missed field goal. I'm sorry. The missed field goal that changed that the outcome of that game. So I've, I've seen what Devin Hester can do to a game, but he's not John Lynch. Absolutely. Jason, don't forget, folks, A Relentless Life, John Elway. Make sure you go out and get it. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate you doing this for me. Anytime, dude. Be good. You got it. Jason Cole, our good friend. Yeah. I think that's going to be a really interesting debate on what you do with Devin Esther, what you do with specialists in the game of football, too. So I thought it was interesting also what he said about tonight's exhibition game for the Eagles and what they see there with Jalen Hurts. All right. Tomorrow, we will have Mike Quick from the Eagles on with us, part of the broadcast team, and we'll have another Hall of Fame voter. Jared Bell will join us. Want to thank my boy Krause. Want to thank my boy Cal. Big Joe, thank you so much for getting it done. And by the way, don't forget, go over to Jacob Media's channel. You can catch us. You can, if you missed any of the show, play it at any time. Like it. We will catch you tomorrow, 4 to 6 Eastern time. We'll see you on. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.